And this really want to encourage us just not to let that, this moment, the kind of the communion meal, the worship, just leave us as we go through the word. I just thought God is, you know, God is here. Jesus is here. He's present in the room. Um, and I just want to pray that he'll be present as we, as we explore this passage together. And I think a lot of what we sung, a lot of just showing the communion meal feeds into, I think, what he's spoken to me today. So let's, uh, let's collectively carry that as, as, as we explore this passage together. So... Yeah, we're continuing in our, in our series in Corinthians uh, this morning, the kind of first letter uh, that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. And we're looking at the section that's entitled Wisdom from the Spirit. So we're going to be in uh, chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, verses 6 to 16. So if you've got your Bibles and you want to kind of have that open, we're going to be exploring that together. This really is a, a continuation of the passage that um, Paul, our Paul, uh, so brilliantly unpacked for us uh, last week. Um, it focused on wisdom in practice, and there was kind of three main points that Paul pulled out from that. The first one was how the Apostle Paul's main concern was for the message of the cross. And we've sung so much about that this morning, the centrality of the message of the cross, making sure that was clearly front and center when he was addressing the church in Corinth. The second point that Paul raised was about the concern for the people of Corinth, that their faith should not rest in the wisdom of man but in the power of God. And working that out, Paul was really intentional in not entering into an intellectual standoff, but trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit to ignite his words and change hearts and lives through it. And the last point was that Paul had concern for himself. He had an impressive CV. He had an education that would have enabled him to reason with the Jews and the Gentiles and have that kind of intellectual battle. But Paul recognized that walking in that path would open him up to be boastful and proud in his own words and actions and risk building up a platform for himself rather than giving the glory to God. So this week's passage focuses mainly on the incredible truth that those who are born again in Christ through the Holy Spirit have been given the amazing gift of being able to know, no, actually have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to have the mind of Christ through the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. That we who call in his, on his name and walk in step with the Holy Spirit might be able to see and know things beyond what we can be seen or understood from a human or worldly perspective. And as we unpack this passage together, we're going to explore four questions. Now, I, I was kind of trying to channel my, my inner John here and trying to find a, a neat way of alliteration um, of uh, <laughs> coming up with this. I found two P's and two W's. That was the best I could come up with, so uh, that was good. Um, so watch out for these. We're going to look at the problem with worldly wisdom. What is a problem with worldly wisdom? And then we're going to contrast with the power of wisdom that comes from the Spirit. We're then going to look at who can receive this wisdom from the Spirit. And last question, why hasn't God revealed everything to us? Why hasn't he revealed everything to us? And then we're going to wrap up considering our own response. Where might we need more wisdom in our lives, or more of the Holy Spirit in general, to guide us, to free us, and empower us? So I want you to hold that as we go through those four questions. The problem with worldly wisdom, the power of wisdom that comes from the Spirit. Who can receive that wisdom and why hasn't God revealed everything to us? You on board? You ready? We'll go on this journey together. 
Let's read the passage uh, together, and then, then we'll pray, and then we'll get into it. So this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 to 16. We do, however, speak of a wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of the age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no mind has ever conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things that God has revealed to us through his Holy Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not of the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Holy Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are only discerned through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to many human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the amazing mysteries that you reveal to us through it. That you are above all things, you are in all things, and that you have given us, those who call on your name, the ability to know you, to hear from you, and to be led by you. We pray that as we explore this passage together, Lord, you will reveal your hidden truths to us. Speak to us. May we have open hearts and stir us to respond, we pray. Amen. So, the first P, the problem with worldly wisdom. What exactly is it? And why should we as believers be extremely cautious about being influenced or led by it? In the opening verse of this passage, Paul identifies two kinds of wisdom, and he goes on to unpack them in the following verses. But in doing so, he makes it quite clear that not all forms of wisdom are equal. Verse 6, six says, We speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Worldly wisdom is rooted and finds its source in human nature. A world and society that is core is sinful, limited, self-seeking, self-gratifying, and leans wholly on our own understanding. Something in Proverbs 3 we're exhorted as believers not to do. Leaning on our own understanding plays to the limitations of our human frame. It tries to contain and explain God's ways taking away the need to trust in something or someone other than ourselves, tries to have everything under control, under our own power and strength. 
In fact, James, in his letter to the Jewish believers across the Roman Empire, describes such wisdom as earthly, unspiritual, demonic, leading to disorder and every evil practice. It's spiritless, devoid of real power to change lives for good. And we live in an ever-creasing age of knowledge and understanding, don't we? It's what our society prides itself on. Whether it's the rise of self-help theories, 10 ways to be a better version of yourself, how to be more productive, more attractive, more successful, more in touch with yourself. We have the rise of influencers and social platforms and global platforms to influence anyone and everyone who buys into that message. Rulers of this world seek to pride themselves on what they can reveal, what they know, what they can make happen. All of this shows a human-centered effort to place mankind at the pinnacle of knowledge and understanding. That's why I believe in verse 5 from last week's passage, Paul was so concerned not to enter that intellectual battle, so that the faith of those in the church in Corinth might not rest in human knowledge and understanding, but in the power of God. I suspect some of us have looked into, applied, or even benefited from some of the theories that are out there at the moment. I know for myself, I've been exploring how I can be more productive at work, how I can be a good steward of my finances. And neither in principle are wrong to pursue. It's the purpose and the intention is the main area to focus on. What's the motive? Is it to glorify God? Or is it to elevate ourselves? God has given us the ability to understand things in this world, to create new technologies. But let's be clear that for many of these, the leaders behind them are ultimately looking for their own success, their own platform, and their own recognition. And it's to those people that Paul specifically calls out this warning. The wisdom of this world and the rulers of this world who rely on their own knowledge and understanding alone are coming to nothing. Their kingdoms, their platforms, their follower base, their accolades will all pass away with this world. They have no lasting value in God's kingdom. So if we know a little of the problem with worldly wisdom, it leads to nowhere. Let's take a few moments to lift our eyes beyond the world and immerse ourselves in the power of wisdom that comes from the Spirit of God. That, to me, feels like a much better place to dwell, doesn't it? Yeah? Verse 7, Paul declares God's wisdom a mystery that's been hidden from plain sight, but that God destined for our glory before even time began. And he re-emphasizes re this in verse 9, that the things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, or human mind has ever conceived, these are the things that God reveals through his Holy Spirit to those that love him. In the continuation of that passage from James that I read from earlier, where he described earthly wisdom as evil, demonic, and leading to disorder, he describes the wisdom that comes from heaven as pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. That sounds a bit different, doesn't it? All of the total opposite of evil and causing harm. In complete contrast to worldly wisdom, the wisdom of God delivered through the Holy Spirit 
has the power to reveal things that are not seen, not heard, not imagined, or could ever be conceived by our own human limitations. It's a bit like the picture of an iceberg, where all we can see in the human is the tip that's visible to us. But God reveals the fullness of reality through his, through his spirit. These are truths that are life-giving, empowering, and eternal for the ultimate glory of God. These things are not coming to nothing. This wisdom has the power to help us in our weakness, interceding for us before the Father, making sense of the wordless groans of our hearts. In Romans 8, Paul writes that the Spirit does help us in our weakness. When we do not know what to pray for, but the Spirit intercedes for us in accordance with the will of God. And we saw that called out in last week's passage, that Paul came to the church in Corinth in weakness, with great fear and trembling. His message was not with wise or persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. This wisdom has the power to transform in his letter to church in Rome, Paul urges the believers not to conform to the pattern of this world, not to be consumed by worldly ways and understanding, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds through the wisdom from the Spirit, so that we will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and pleasing will. And this wisdom has the power to lead to eternal life. Jesus himself whilst on the cross, in the midst of the very act that would lead to giving us the hope of eternal life. He said this to his father, eternal life is this, that knowing the father, knowing Jesus, leads to eternal life. A personal, intimate relationship that leads to an understanding of the things of God. And Paul also backed this up in his letter to the, to the Philippians. He prayed that in that church that their love would abound more and more in the knowledge and depth of insight so that they may be able to discern what is best and that they may be pure and blameless on the day of Christ's return. So wisdom from the Spirit has the power to reveal the unseen, like showing the totality of that iceberg. It has the power to help us in our weakness, that no one may boast in their own knowledge and intellect. It has the power to transform, renewing the way we think, the way that we see things in this world. And it's through the power of this wisdom that the Spirit gives us that enables us a way to knowing the one and only true God through which is the path to eternal life. How powerful, how life-changing, how amazing is that? Yeah? So who can then receive this powerful, life-changing wisdom? It might seem like a fairly straightforward question to answer, and in many ways, you'd be right. <laughs> Paul clearly identifies two groups of people in this passage. Those who are able to receive wisdom from the Spirit, and those who aren't. The truth is that no one who has walked this earth, with the exception of Jesus himself, started out in life with the ability to receive spiritual wisdom. When Paul quotes Isaiah 64 in verse 9, there's a very literal meaning to these verses, as well as the inspiring, hope-filled translation that I think we often use them in that context. No eye has seen, 
no ear has heard, no mind has ever conceived the things of God. In verse 14, Paul goes on to say that the natural man, the man without the Spirit, cannot, under, cannot understand the things that come from the Spirit of God. Such things are considered foolishness. In our human state, we cannot understand the things of God. Our hearts are hardened. We're not able to receive the precious truths that God has stored up for us. And Jesus gave a window into this truth a little bit when he was teaching in Matthew 7 on judging others. He warns about the reality of entrusting holy teachings to the unholy or unclean. They're putting effort into sharing the deep and precious truths of God to those whose hearts are not able to receive it is like throwing precious pearls before pigs. They don't know what to do with it. They just don't know what to do with it. They're expecting food. And they'll quite likely just trample it into the ground. Now that doesn't mean, hear me clearly, that doesn't mean that we should not be preaching the good news to those who don't know it. Not at all. But it is an encouragement to be wise, to be discerning, and to not waste our energy on sowing seeds into ground that is hard and not ready to accept. And I'm sure we've all come across situations that have felt similar to this, where we've had something precious in our hearts and we shared it with someone else who maybe just isn't able to receive that, and it's fallen flat or it's bounced back and it's left you just feeling a bit... In our life group this week, Sarah uh, shared a story about her brother, a brother who had known the Lord and then had walked away for a, for a period of time. And during this time, Sarah had continued to share the precious things of God with her brother, trying to encourage him to come back to the faith that he once knew. And praise God, many years later, he did. But when they had a conversation about those things that Sarah had shared in those fallow years, his reply was, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear you. His heart was in such a space where he just did not hear it, he didn't know what to do, it just bounced off him. But, praise God, that those who have accepted Jesus into their hearts can receive this wonderful power of wisdom that comes from the Spirit. The ability to see things beyond this world, to be transformed and to see them as God sees them. Those things that no eye has seen, no ear has heard or human mind conceived are revealed by the Holy Spirit to those who love Jesus. How is this possible? It's possible because those who are born again are born of the Spirit. When we're born into the world as a baby, we're born into the natural. But when we're born again, we are born of the Spirit. And it's at that moment the life-giving power of God fills our hearts and gives us the ability to discern and understand the things of God. In verse 10, we read that the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God, and knows the thoughts of God because he is the Spirit of God. So who can know the thoughts of a person except the person's Spirit? And it's that same Spirit that lives in those who are born again, revealing, inspiring, and illuminating the very thoughts of God. Verse 6 also talks of speaking wisdom among the mature. It's the same group of people that Paul uses to describe as those with the Spirit in verse 15. But I think it also speaks of a sense of growth 
and deepening here. To be mature in the faith is to be firmly planted, walking faithfully, growing in love, knowledge, and relationship with Jesus. The deeper we grow, the more of the Spirit's work in our lives we see. The more of the Spirit's work we are receptive to, the more of God's wisdom will be revealed to us through the Spirit. What an encouragement. I think there's also a challenge there for us as believers to ensure that we are seeking out the right form of wisdom. When it comes to those things in our lives, are we seeking the Spirit to reveal the wisdom of God to us? Or would we rather lean on our own understanding and wisdom that comes from the world? Bit of a spoiler alert, but I started looking ahead into chapter 3. Um, which I don't want to spoil whoever's preaching on that next week, but it was just a passage there that Paul, had, Paul addresses the church. And he says, I could not address the church as people who live by the Spirit because they were still worldly. They could only process milk, not solid food. They weren't ready for the depths of wisdom that God reveals to those that mature. You know, as, as I was reading this whole passage, there was one line that just kind of stood out to me in verse 12. Paul says that what we have received is not of the spirit of the world, but of the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given to us. Aren't we so quick to forget all of what God has freely given to us? That we may understand what God has generously lavished on us for free. For free. The ability to access the wisdom of God through the Spirit is a gift. A gift that cannot be explained apart from God's grace and love for each one of us. It's not something we can earn or gain through our own intelligence or hard work. It's free and therefore open to all of those who are born again. We didn't make our first birth happen. And we didn't make our second birth happen either. We can't raise ourselves from the dead. We don't create new life in our souls. It is all an incredible act of love from our Father, who is sovereign and through the mysterious work of the Holy Spirit. We can't tell where it comes from, where it goes, but we can recognize its voice and recognize its presence once we're born again. And this brings us to what I kind of really felt was the kind of highlight, the pinnacle moment that God drew me to in this passage, and it's summed up in the last six words. But we have the mind of Christ. Let that just sink in for a moment. Those who are born again can say for certain that they have the mind of Christ. The pure, unfiltered, undiluted thoughts of God himself. It's precious, it's mysterious, it's unexplainable. So I wonder if you'll come along with me for a moment here. Close your eyes if you want to. If you're listening on the recording and you're driving, please don't do that. I quite often listen to these in the car when I'm driving, so like, maybe don't do that. Just consider for a moment the wonder of creation, the vastness of the galaxies, the grandness of the mountains, and the detail and the intricacies the design of it all.
Now consider for a moment what we've just remembered around the communion table. The work of Jesus on the cross. The pain and anguish. Yet the understanding of what was needed to give eternal life to all who would accept him as Lord. consider your own life, the beauty of what God has done for you, what he's revealed to you, what he's given to you, how he has led you to this moment today. All of this, all of this has come from a loving Heavenly Father who knows everything. He knows the entirety of that iceberg. And yet, we have just experienced a mere glimpse of the fullness, the vastness of the wisdom of God. But for us who are born again, we have access to that same mind, the same perspective, the same power through the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So if we know how precious and powerful the wisdom from the Spirit is that's freely given to us, why hasn't God revealed it all? If through the Holy Spirit we have the mind of Christ, why don't we who are born again into the Spirit have the ability to see the whole iceberg, to see the whole picture? You know, verse 7 today talks of secret wisdom, things that are hidden and only revealed in part by the, as the Spirit leads. Those, those, that section in verse 9 reminds us that no one has seen, heard, or conceived the totality of God's riches that he has prepared for us. We see in Matthew 11 that Jesus even praised the Father for hiding things from the wise, but revealing them to children. And later in Paul's letter in chapter, uh, to Corinth in chapter 13, he says, Now I know in part, then, speaking about the day when he's reunited with Jesus, I shall know, I shall fully know, as I'm fully known. And I'm not sure, given our human limitations that we will ever fully understand the reason why God doesn't reveal everything, why he reveals some things to some people and some things to others. We must trust that he is sovereign, that he reigns over all, and that his desire is to give us what we need and to give us good gifts. He's generous and loving, and he wouldn't withhold things from us without good reason. But there is a clue given to us in this passage. In verse 8, Paul writes that had the rulers of Rome at the time of Jesus understood what was going to happen by crucifying Jesus, they wouldn't have killed him. If they knew what was going to happen as a result of their actions, they would have tried to foil God's plans. And I expect the same would happen to any of us. If we knew everything that was about to happen in our lives, our sinful nature would try to take control. We'd try to make things happen in our own efforts 
we'd maybe try to avoid that difficult path that was meant for our good. Maybe intervene in something that God was doing in someone else's life. Or maybe feel so undeserving of a blessing that God wanted to pour out on our lives that we would not accept it. Unlike children, we probably ask a load of questions, we try to find loads of other solutions, or we try and use our own platform and lean on our own understanding to make things happen. It's exactly what Paul intentionally avoided in the passage we looked at last week. Ultimately, we are flawed. We are limited in our capacity to understand as well as our power to make things happen. We don't know everything because if we did, we wouldn't let God be God. Isn't that the very bait that Adam and Eve took in the Garden of Eden that separated us from him in the first place? So as we begin to wrap up our exploration, I wonder what God has been saying to you. Maybe you've been challenged about whether you're seeking the wisdom of this world or the wisdom of God in an aspect of your life. Maybe God's prompting you to stop at trying to resolve it, fix it, navigate it under your own understanding, and instead lean into his power. Maybe you're just longing for more wisdom for a circumstance that you're facing. Well, in James 1, verse 5, we're told that if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Or maybe you're just longing for more of the Spirit's work in your life. You know you are born again, but you're longing for a fresh outpouring of His Spirit into your life. Maybe it's something else. But take this opportunity as we go back into worship just to consider what God is saying to you. And let dare let me pray for you. Let us pray for you. Dale's going to bring uh, just a word that 